Just that little button. Um, so much going on. Um, so easy to get caught up in it, have feelings, uh, emotions, reactions constantly. And um, it's just, I think it's just important. I'm always through the week thinking, what do I say? How do I, how do I keep pulling people back into hope and um, uh, a lot of discussion, you know, about end times? And I'm like, yeah, yep, yep, yep. But I don't think this is it. This, I don't think this is the end. It's going to look like this. And there was an awesome teaching by um, um, Robin Bullock on Elijah Streams. Uh, he he shared it was really good, and he he talked about the simulation like. It's it's of that spirit, but this he also like this isn't the time. This isn't this isn't the place. There are still promises coming to us, and there are things at work that are uh, so above and beyond what we can comprehend. We live in this. Um, we, we live in um, a very um, um, manipulated world when it comes to what we see and what we hear and we're so deeply affected by this and on it's on purpose that we we believe things and feel things and we don't even real like it happens before you know it and you you see something you see a picture and you just think that's it cuz you saw a picture and you don't realize the date is three years ago. You, you, it's just all, so. What I would say is uh, encourage you always vet things and take time and don't react. This issue with Afghanistan, and it is, it is a very, it's, it's very tragic. There are other things going on. Uh, Robbie Dobkins was also on Elijah Streams. He really had some great insight because he actually works with the Afghani people. And um, one of the things that I've learned in these recent years, it's so easy to have uh, real attitudes against the uh, Muslims and Islam and, and, and those people and people from different nations. And what we see on the media are the extremists and the radicals and the, the very violent. That's on purpose. It's what projected to us. And, and yet the people like um, Sean Foyt also has had amazing ministry to the people of Iran. And we just, you get this thing like uh, we're, you're trying not to be racist or judgmental or have attitudes about people groups and different people. Uh, but we're fed that. There's a reason that you go there. And then you get to meet the real, the real people of those nations. And right now this huge, Huge revivals going on in Iran, and it's not by men. It's the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit's going before the evangelists or whoever, and most of the evangelists, the, the best ones, the fiery ones, are the women. And uh, I was listening to Robbie Dawkins. He's an amazing guy, and he's been there. He just was recently imprisoned in Afghanistan. You know you're not having a very good day when you get imprisoned in Afghanistan. And so um, he got out and um, a lot of things working. It's just an amazing story if you get a chance to listen and, and the insights he has about what's really going out on and how this weird transfer took place from the Afghani, Afghani uh, uh, military to the Taliban and, and uh, more of the story. There's more and more coming out. Um, God is at work in this. And I know, I love Robbie Dawkins. He says, I want you to pay it. He says, listen, every, every Taliban guy is, a, is an Apostle Paul waiting for a, a conversion and will be tomorrow's Apostle Paul. And we, it's hard for us to get into that mentality because we were like bad guys, bad people, you know, bad, bad, bad people, horrible people and the horrible things that they do and things that happen. So we want to just be, be very, very, we want to be above this. And, and uh, I, I referred to what Mike Landell, uh, <laughs> it's amazing, like, 
And, and he declares this. We're about to see the greatest revival that ever. Like, and it's, it's going on in the whole world. And uh, get your eyes on that. And it sounds ridiculous, but in history, often there's a revival going on right in the midst of a war. You're like, no way. Like, you, how, how can it even be? How can that even be? It happened in our own Revolutionary War. In the midst of the Revolutionary War, there was an outpouring of the Spirit. I mean, you know, sometimes you want to look, you're like, heaven really is upside down, isn't it? You know, like the principles, the kingdom, it's upside down, it's so backwards. And um, Mike Lindell, he wrote this, it's, it's so good. Life is about opposites. We must forgive in order to appreciate being forgiven. We must see people wrongfully imprisoned in order to appreciate not being wrongfully imprisoned. We must see people falsely accused in order to appreciate not being falsely accused. We must see people persecuted in order to appreciate not being persecuted. We must see people suffering in order to appreciate not having to suffer. We must see people lose their rights in order to appreciate our rights. We must see greed in order to appreciate charity. And we must see lawlessness in order to appreciate law and order. We must see injustice in order to appreciate justice. We must fight a war in order to appreciate peace. We must see tyranny in order to appreciate freedom. We must see wrong in order to appreciate right. We must see evil in order to appreciate good. And we must see fake in order to appreciate real. We must see a fake president in order to appreciate a real president. We must see lies in order to appreciate truth. We must see death in order to appreciate life. And in the plan of life, one, capital O, one must die in order to save all. Keep fighting. Trust God. All will be well. God bless each of you. Like, wow, does that not sum it up? Like, that's, yeah, very good. Turn with me uh, to Judges chapter 6. And I've had, uh, um, in, in just my, like, pondering and crying out to the Lord, um, like, Father, like, I, I need a place to stand. And I was looking for a scripture and passage, and, and uh, I forget exactly how it happened, but all of a sudden I was directed to the story about Gideon. Like, I click, and I went, oh, Yeah. And so I reread, I, I went back to it, read that was like before, sometime last week, even before I shared. And uh, I realized, oh my gosh, this is so perfect of an analogy of where we are and what's going on right now. So um, I just want to read, and um, supposedly um, the kid, maybe they're listening by video, I'm not sure. They're supposed to be, they're listening, taking notes or something, because there's not a class today. So... So anyways, love you kids. If you're watching, I'll say hi to you, you know, like, um, and I was thinking a lot about them. And I said to Jessica, I said, perfect. I said, cause I'm going to talk about Gideon and what a, what a great, what a great story and what great, uh, truths are here in the midst of this. So I'm going to begin to read in chapter six of judges. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So that answers some questions. You know, why this? That's why. Always when we step into disobedience, we open the door. And I've learned this in my life. It's not even about God punishing you. It's about the enemy wants to kill you. And he looks for opportunity to be able to come to God and have access to your little life. And when we compromise, when we, when we fudge it, when we are not true to the Lord, the enemy, who is the uh, professional accuser of the brother, brethren, goes, ah, 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 look, 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 infraction, infraction. You ever have somebody in your life, like growing up, there's always some kid, you know, that see, watches everything you do. Oh, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. You know, the, those rule keepers, you know, make you nuts. And, uh, they, they, and they're always telling on you, like, it's like, it's, that's their mission in life is to catch you doing something wrong. Hopefully, you never experienced that since third grade. But yeah, or maybe yesterday, whatever. And that's Satan 
always looking to accuse you, always looking for grounds to come and steal from you because without God's permission, you're protected. You're, you're under the blood, you're under the covering. But when we willingly disobey, when we compromise and we begin to walk in things, the worst of it is we open the door. When you do fail, when you do fall, when you do do something you know better than to do, cry out immediately uh, for the blood of Jesus and cry out for mercy. Grace empowers you, enables you to do well. You need mercy. But when, I mean, when you've violated and, and trespassed against the Lord, especially when you know better, like all my big sins have happened since I knew Jesus, not before, right? Because I was 12 when I got... Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. So, yeah. So what do you do with that? You know, you, you, you envy these people that have this life of sin and horrible things, and then they meet Jesus, you know, and they, they get all straightened up. And you're like, wow, that'd be nice and clean. Like, what do people like me do? Like, yeah, trying to follow the Lord, I've screwed up royally. Like, da-da-da. That's how do you fit that in? You, you ask for mercy. You, you, you cry out for mercy. You, you plead the blood over your life because immediately you're, you're, there's that sense, I'm going to get punished for this. Well, break that with Jesus' blood. You're like, I don't deserve it. You didn't deserve to believe in the first place. There's nothing about grace you ever deserved. You can't. So access it because if I've provided, I've made provision for you to get out of trouble, I I'm not more blessed if you say, I don't deserve to be pulled out of trouble. I should suffer more. I'm like, no. I put some things in place so that if you got in trouble, you could get back out. He, he much more appreciates it that we say, Jesus, help me. This isn't my heart. For whatever reason, I fell. I made a mistake. I fell back into this thing, that thing, whatever. And, 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 and understand, he wants you free. And you want free. And the only answer to getting free is not by suffering more or persecuting yourself more, but by crying out for grace. Jesus, my only hope is, I need more of you. I think we'll both agree. He's like, indeed, you do. Hang out with me, stick closer, walk closer. Don't get your eyes off of where we're going. Yeah, all the things he warned us about. So, Verse 2, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So they weren't lit. Why do you do those things? Because you're in hiding. You've got to survive. This is survival mode. We've got to survive from the enemy. Beware. We're going to make a big emphasis about what, mental what world are you living in? Are you living in fear? Are you surviving? Are you doing what Gideon did? And here in a couple verses. So verse 3, it was, Whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel neither sheep nor ox nor donkey now if you garden even a little bit you would not appreciate after you garden and you know uh, till the ground and sow and plant and weed and water and get it all the way to this point and then someone comes in and takes it all like once you've got some blood sweat and blood, sweat, and tears in it, you're like, that's, you know, you're really kind of like, that. That's, that's horrible. You lose everything that you labored for, it's just gone. And so it was a big deal. It was on a pretty large scale. This would be a real torment. For they would come up with their livestock, verse 5, and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So they just move in on all of your hard work, your, your land, your place, your what you have prepared, and, and, and steal it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to them, the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, <coughs> excuse me, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So don't, don't go there. And meanwhile, I'm bringing you, I'm giving you their land. So it's no wonder they're a little bit upset about it and stealing from you. Verse 11. Now, so that was the context. And this was going on like this was endless. So verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. So stop. The wine press is not the place for threshing. What was threshing? You gather up wheat. Um, believe it or not, uh, I remember my father when he just loved to farm. He was a diesel mechanic by trade, but he had this thing for farming. He just had to. And so that was part of our, which I loved. It was really neat when it involved us. And when I was very little, we were driving tractors and doing this. And he would work midnights or afternoons, and he found ways that we could we were tenant farmers. We didn't own land, but we rented land and we and we uh, planted and did all all this stuff. Eventually, had a dairy farm. And I remember when I was really little, when he was just beginning a little farm in Robertsville. You can actually see it from Route 30. There's a beautiful, picturesque farm on the right-hand side as you come after you come down that big hill and look off to the right. It's it's a, a road back like it's on Robertsville Avenue. And you see this, it's just beautiful now. Like it's, there's this red barn, big white house, and there's this, the hill goes the whole way around it. We lived there for several years. And Rob and I were very little when we did that. And at some point, we shocked corn. Now, that's, you know, it's what you do for decoration now on Halloween and, and you know, uh, how harvest. Of course, none of you celebrate Halloween, right? Like, but, you know, it's the fall festival. <laughs> And you, you cut the stalks of corn, the whole thing, and you stack them up and you tie them and you set them in the field and it helps dry the corn. And, it's, and then a, a thrasher would come through and there was usually one in a community and you shared it and it came to your place and did all your corn up and went to the next place and did all theirs. And you would run it through this big thrasher and it would shell, it would pull off the, the cobs of corn, the, you know, and I don't, I don't think it shelled it. It just did that. That's the modern-day combine. And then the fodder you would use, and you would blow, put it in a place and use it for bedding for the cattle. So it was like dual purpose. We did that once. And my dad's like, whoa, this is way too much work. So he bought a corn picker, you know. Like, so. And this, with the wheat, you cut it off, and you put it in shocks. And there's, it's this beautiful, picturesque thing. You can still see that in Amish country, you know. And, different things. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a rough way to go. So there was a place where they brought that grain and thrashed it before they had equipment. And it was a, it was a threshing floor. It was a nice, clean floor and used that for threshing. But then there was the wine press. There was a whole nother thing where you squeeze your wine or your, the, the grapes and harvest the grapes. And it would have been a messy, more, you know, water oriented type of thing. And so if you can just picture without a lot of illustration, there was the threshing floor. There was like the nice barn floor, a nice place that was clean, and you could, you know, thresh out this and sweep it up and, you know, gather, gather your grain. And then there was the wine press that was a whole different thing. And so Gideon, out of desperation, living in this mentality, he's threshing wheat in the wine press. Like, you start doing things backwards. Like, why? To protect the harvest. Like, if I go do it there, they, the Midianites won't think that we're harvesting wheat. They won't look in the wine press for it. So he was hiding. He was, he was living his life in hiding. Something like next to a cornfield near a woods on a township road. It'd be like something like that. 
And there, there is such this sense as we're out here, it's like we're in hiding. We've had prophets come through and say, you're in hiding. Like, mm, yeah, yeah, kind of like that. That's good, that's good, that's good. And um, you start to be, you start that because you live in this world where you become fearful, whether you realize it or not, that what I believe and what I value is, we'll say it ourselves, we put words in the world's mouth. We'll say, you'll think this is crazy, right? And then you tell them you have faith or you believe something or you were healed, or right? Do you not always premise it with that? You'll think this is crazy, but like, how about this? You'll be amazed at what the story I have for you. It, the world loves our supernatural stuff. Other Christians, they're the ones that can be boogers, you know. So you start, I've had a life of this hiding thing. I really have. There's a shame that has been on us. We try to strike it off, and we think we're doing a big deal when we come to church and march around the chairs and sing a song. Like, wow, were we bold today? Do we have a great service? Like, yeah, you know? And, and, and yet, we're not really doing business till we take that out there. Now we've got something, you know. So I know the church is beginning. We're doing that. We're, we're whatever. And uh, love Sean Foyt again. He did that. Let us worship. And he, he took it out when it was against the law. And he had to fight all kinds of things. But he took worship to the streets. Just pure, unadulterated worship. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, he was a real champion in this over the last, that, last year. So it's so easy to get. I've been inundated with this fear. Like, you can kind of mask it, but it's there. And it starts to control us, and we start having behaviors. If Jesus would show up, he'd be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that here? It's like, well, it doesn't it make sense? You know, this isn't popular. I could get censored. I could get deleted. I could get whatever. I could get persecuted. And, and now, this living in this moment in history, oh my gosh, we're like, wow, scaring us. Like, oh boy, oh boy. And, and it's so easy to succumb to it. Like, I don't want to speak up. It'll trigger people. It'll wire them up. Like, are we not right in the midst of this? And I've been saying to people, they're not bashful about talking about it. I don't think we should be malicious or antagonizing in any way. We, we, but silent? We can't afford to be silent. The longer we're silent, the further they'll go. So Gideon is doing that, and you see he's living in this exact thing. I went, this is exactly where we are. In order to hide it from the Mennonites, verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And at that moment, Gideon went, <laughs> You talking to me? You know, have you ever seen a prophet call out somebody in the, in the audience? It's like, you, and you're there, you start looking around, you know? Like, yeah, you in the red, you know? You in the red with no hair on your head, you know? Like, they've got a really, you're like, Oh, me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Lord, it's this interesting. It's fascinating how Lord, how Jesus comes to him, how God comes to him. And I actually do think it's Jesus. You see the angel of the Lord? I think we're talking about the person of Jesus, I think. And then later, Gideon's talking to the Lord. So there's, we see, I see two, two parts of the deity here. Without going too deep in that. So he comes and he calls them these good things, valiant warrior, and he's hiding, threshing wheat. It's, I believe the Lord, he's calling him into what he's to be. He, it wasn't there yet. And this, you can criticize Gideon for the things that he does that follows, but you know what? He did what the Lord asked him to do. And he needed to know some things and he needed to be assured 
And the Lord doesn't hold back one bit. Okay, yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll tell you again and again. I'll make sure you know. Here, you want some signs? Okay, yeah, I'll do that. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him, said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, so it was even worse. He's like, sure he is. This doesn't feel like the Lord is with us. If a prophet came and said, the Lord's with you, and we have sickness and people dying from cancer, and this is going on, and that's going on, we're like, we're wannabes until you have the testimonies. Then you go, yeah, yeah, we've contended for some things. We've had some breakthroughs. We're, we're believing. We're standing. But in your personal life, especially in your personal life, isn't it hard when the bills aren't getting paid and you fix this and this and that break and things happen and you spend money well-intentioned and it goes to, you know, and relationships fall apart and you're like, what? You stop and you go, am I doing something wrong? Probably, you know, like to, I'll just answer that for you. Probably. Well, we're always doing something wrong. Are we very good at any of this? No. Actually, we're not. We just either have favor because we've humbled ourselves and we believe in Jesus, or we don't. It's that. And life comes and stuff happens. So, but what you need to come to is this place of believing. And Gideon wasn't there at a place of believing. He's like, don't, he's talking to the angel of the Lord this way. Like, if that's true, why this oppression? If, if the Lord is with us, why then all this happened to us? This was very bad. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And it was over in, I was reading, I'm not going to turn there, uh, but I do want to get the text right. It was... In Second um, <clears throat> Kings chapter 17, where the Lord actually goes after the people, there's an interesting concept there. You end up doing what your father did. And so there's people that were coming out of being pagans and, and false worship and things like that. Even though they sent prophets to Baal, uh, no, no, Bethel, to Bethel, to teach them to fear the Lord. So they come and teach them to fear the Lord, and they learn to fear the Lord, but they don't stop practicing the worship to the false gods. Why? Because their fathers taught them to do that. And it's, it's, we, don't, we don't readily acknowledge idol worship. We're like, that's silly. That's stupid. Right, Americans? We're so... We worship stuff and things as well, but oh no, no, that's, that's my stuff. That's my truck. That's my carpet. That's my house. That's my, that's my thing. I don't worship that. I just, <laughs> yeah, what, what do we do with our stuff? Yeah, got to watch over that thing, don't you? And, and so we have our things. We don't readily understand, but, but once they worshiped other gods, they Man, it's, you see it all through the scriptures. You see it all through these Bible stories. You know, who was it? Was it Rachel? She brought one of the family idols with her. Had it, you know, am I, is that the right? Yeah. Caused some problems. Like, hey, 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 what, what, don't, don't bring that stuff in here. What are you doing? It opened up a door for things. And so the Lord sends a prophet to instruct them, don't do that, fear the Lord. They feared the Lord but they still practice this. It was such a, there's such a proneness to go back to those things. And do we not have the same problems? We get free from things. We acknowledge certain things are, are, are wrong. And then we come into different seasons of our life and we're back at something that we said, I'm not doing this anymore. So it, it, it's, it's a default. It goes back to you. Is it comfort? Is it secure? I don't know what it is. Like, you know better, and yet you start compromising. And this situation is hugely about compromising, and Gideon's family is compromising in a big, big way. So 
where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon has the intercession in him. He is grieved for his people. He's grieved for the oppression, and it's not just for him personally. He was eking out a living. He found a way to hide it from the Midianites, you know, to keep his wheat. But he was greed for his, as a nation, they were being robbed, pillaged on a regular basis, grieved for them. His, it was more than himself. He could eke by, but he was living for something greater than himself, which I think was a great transition for all of us. Like, let's get beyond living for ourselves. Yeah, get your act together, find Jesus, and then let's start living for something bigger than us and better than us, more than us. Israel, I've always been fascinated with them. They pray to God as, as Israel, as a people. We Americans pray to God as individuals. Like we just have a different mindset, and there's, there's something to, to grow into this, this bigger thing because God loves families, and he, and he loves nations. It, it always comes up. So you realize God looks at us in those ways often. Our individuality, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate this revelation we have about asking Jesus into my heart and the, and the individual decision and that. It's huge. But it needs to move beyond self-centeredness or, or it's a fungus. It becomes something counterproductive to start living for things greater than ourselves, vision greater than ourselves, things big, you know, bigger than ourselves. And so the Lord again calls him names that aren't really true. He says, you go in this might of yours. And again, Midian's like, might? I'm threshing wheat in the wine press. Might? I'm not fighting these guys. I'm trying to thresh my, get my wheat done, you know, without it getting stolen. Go in this might of yours so the Lord sees something that he doesn't see in himself yet, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not, have I not sent you? So verse 15, so he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Like, that's nuts. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Okay, identity. Here we go. It's going to come out. We're weak. I, my clans, we are, we are little, a little. We're little. Ashley commented to Cheryl when she was little. Like, didn't she used to say a little? Is that right? Was it Ashley? Did that? Oh, whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Some little kid said it. Probably mine, but yeah, nobody else remembers. A little. We are little. Go in this mind. And, he's, and in verse 15. So he said, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the weakest in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You'll, you'll, and he's, always, he's indicating something that's going to grieve Gideon in just a little bit. You're going to stay. You think you're little now? Wait till I put together this army. We're going to gather people, and then we're going to whittle it down till it's in almost insignificant. That is not a good day. That's not good. That's not what we want the Lord to say. Is it? Like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like the Lord showing up and saying, oh, your church is too big. Um, it'd be nice if we could get above this so we could, you know. Oh, no, that's too big. Weed it out. Cut it down can't be that is not the christian culture right now everything is about big isn't it size how many go to your church that's the first thing you get asked if you go somewhere oh how many are at your church like they all have to ask you i don't i i wish i had another way to answer that question someday if i come up with something ornery i, I just may i don't know because once you say the number then you're about you're immediately tat you can feel it you're a you know loser an almost loser you're insignificant i mean it just it's there people oh that's great like sure you think it's great 
You think it's ridiculous. Because there's 2,000 people at your church. And there's 50,000 at your, you know, like it, it just starts. It's the same thing on our social media. How many followers do you have? Uh, eight, maybe 13 now, you know. Oh, well, I have 500, you know. So we're like, wow. And then if you're on Twitter and you get, you know, enough people, you get the title influencer. Get a blue check mark. You're an influencer. We are influenced by this. Does anybody want to be truly free from it? Not just in lip service, but truly free from this. If God is with you, who can be against you? If God is for you, if he's working, you don't need that. You don't need those numbers. You can feel totally adequate because Jesus is with you, because he's called you, because he knows you. We're inundated with this. It's all through our culture, and it's being used even now today. If we got free from it, we'd be better people. Bam. We'd, we'd, we'd get up a notch immediately. Immediately. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Da, 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 I'm the weakest. And the Lord said in verse 16 to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Verse 17, then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here. So Gideon says this, don't, don't leave, don't leave. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So this is like a bizarre story if you go, if you picture this really happening, which I do. You go, wow. He told God to wait, wait here, right here. Jace did that to me the other day in the front yard when I was watching him. And we were doing bird seed, feeding the birds. And I have a little bucket, a little plastic bucket, and a cup to get in the buckets to pour in the bird seed, right? And that's something we do together. And I'm done doing that, and I'd put the bird seed in already, and then he took the little bucket and cup, which he's fascinated with, and he looks at me and goes, wait here. All right, and off he went, you know, around the garage, down the steps. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give him a minute, then I'll go around the other side of the house, make sure he stays on the plantation and because uh, the kid can travel it has no sense of being alone it's like I'm good I could be a nomad I could just keep on walking you know and uh, I I wait for a little bit I walk around I come down to where the bird seat is in the bottom and down below the house and it's he's not there I'm like okay I look at the playhouse he's not there I look up at because he'll walk up here if he gets half a second you know and, you know just travels and uh I'm, I'm trying not to panic, you know, it's just always that thing. And I'm like, okay, I walk up around where I saw him come down and I get, I get all the way to the top. I'm like, maybe he's in the garage. And there he was up exactly where he told me to wait. With his little bucket, almost full of my black oil, you know, sunflower seeds and in, in the cup. And I, I walk up to him and he goes, heavy. It's heavy. That was heavy. I'm like, I bet it was. So Gideon, well, that's a really good illustration because Gideon said, tells that to God, like tells that to the Lord, this angel of the Lord that's coming and visiting. He said, wait here. I want to go prepare you something. Now, what can a man prepare for the angel of the Lord? But... I'll give you what I can. The Lord always takes what we have to give. I have a, a new song that I'm going to sing next week, uh, another Brandon Lake song called Gratitude. I said, what else do I have to give you but worship? Hallelujah, like, hallelujah, because I can't make you something. I can't. All I can give you is this expression of my heart to praise, to worship you. And so... Gideon comes out and he prepares this, this meal for the Lord. How are we doing on time? That's, that's always safe. Thank you, Adam. Didn't start the timer. <laughs> that's good. I, I, and yeah, I need to not go too much longer. 
So Gideon goes in, he prepares a young goat, unleavened bread, he brings all this stuff out. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. So the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock. This was like a phenomenal story, okay. And consumed the meat and unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his side. Sight, like, how about this Christmas? You give somebody a gift, they, you know, they bring it, and they burn it to Chris, like, poof, gone in smoke. You'd be like, I shopped a long time for that, to get you just, and you, poof, you know. Just being silly. But the Lord, it's, <laughs> he takes them getting used to. This is how he accepts things. <laughs> Put it up in smoke. <laughs> it's a fun, really funny when you, when you really look at it. You go, huh. Heaven is upside down. Like the kingdom is so different than how we think. He said, accepted, burnt offering. Now Gideon perceived that, the, that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He realized he just experienced something with someone. He could be in a lot of trouble. Don't usually live through this situation. That's, now, he, now he's really awakened. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. So we have the angel of the Lord and we have the Lord talking to him. So I'm not going to go too deep into that because I'm not able. <laughs> it's like a couple notches above, but I'm not going to explain it away either. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Whew. Wow. You know, we're like all of our prayers. Lord, I want to see you. I want to experience you. He's like, no, you don't. Oh, yeah, I do. I really do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I do. You know, then he shows up like, ah! You know, it's like, and will I live through this? I mean, people that have really encountered, yeah. We got to stop making God our buddy and get him dumb. Yeah. Somebody must have wrote a book, God for Dummies, or Dummies for God. I don't know, you know. But we, we've got, we, we got this thing so handled, we've lost the God of the Scriptures. And we, we've lost the fear of the Lord. We're like, and we need to get that back. We need to get that back. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. It's the beginning of wisdom to fear the Lord. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it's still in Oprah and on the Ebazerites, whatever. I can't pronounce it and don't know where it is. Now, it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull. I'm going to wrap this up. The second bull of, the seven, of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt um, sacrifice and the wood of the image which you shall cut down. He, he, he just got instructions for a death sentence. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household, yeah. If your it's funny. No matter how old you are, there's still this fear of your father. Like, are you kidding me? I'll, no way I'm going to do that, right? But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by the day, he did it by night. The point is he did it. He obeyed. This was a big deal. This was his, so again, you have this people that are compromised. They're, they love the Lord. They follow the Lord. He's there. They're his people. But they have, there's compromise here. They have altars. They're still worshiping other gods. And Gideon gets instructions. Hey, 
you want to, here's, here's the instructions. Here's the supernatural instructions to defeat the Midianites and deliver yourself from this oppressive enemy. But you've got to follow me. And it'll scare the bejeebers out of you. But you've got to do what I ask you to do. Can you say yes to that? Because the key is hearing from the Lord, encountering him, having him give you instruction. And then you've got to do what he says. And man, you'll, you'll go screaming the whole way like, oh, anything. we'll say, Lord, I'll go anywhere. Okay, let's, let's check this out. Go over there. No, 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 not over there. Or do this. No, no, I, anything but that. But that is what I want. And, and he has to go. I mean, it's a big deal on a farm. You know, if you have cattle, you have, I mean, prized possessions of your father, and you get instructions to go kill the bull and tear down the altars, and, and not only dad is going to be mad, the whole family is going to be upset. It's Thanksgiving again with the relatives that don't like you. You know, like, where's, where does this, this is, this traumatizes us. We say we don't care. We care. We say, that doesn't bother me. It probably does. This is hard. It's, this is the biggest enemy we have right now in our culture is doing something that is socially unacceptable. And man, it's, 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 it's what you have to stand up against if you want to be different, if you want to walk. It's, 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 it's big. And the Lord wants us free from it. For freedom's sake, I set, Christ set you free. He wants to set you free so you can be free. So that it's him first, that you're, you're not fear, fearful of a man. And man, we got to get delivered from It's like going to the dentist and getting that tooth out. It's, it's the dreaded thing. No, 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 not that, not that. You want this to stop hurting? I remember when I kept getting gum infections because of wisdom teeth that were half in, half out, whatever, you know, the wisdom teeth thing. Like, oh, no, I don't want to go through that. I've seen people that have had their wisdom teeth out. Some people kind of snap through it. Other people, they look like they got hit by a truck and ran over a couple times. Like, you know, like, you're like, oh, but the infection and the pain from it, at some point, the dentist goes, listen, this, this is going to got to go, and it's only going to get worse. Like, Hmm, all right. And getting delivered from the fear of man. And you're, you know, it's like, but you're not allowed to hate man. You're not allowed to hate people. It's easy if you don't, if you don't like them. And you don't care how you, that, that's easier. I think it's sometimes why we behave that way. But no, in, in the kingdom, you have to keep your love on, but just not be under them, not be fearful. Be able to do what the Lord's saying to do, whatever whatever it is, whatever it costs. And um, I'm going to pull up there. There's so much more to this story. And then Phyllis wants to share, and I think this is going to be a great message next week about the gratitude and about the thanks and praise and, uh, that she's sharing. But um, let's pray. I want to, I don't do this enough anymore, but um, if you're, Adam, if you can just put on some, some music, some, uh, but if you just, like, as a, as a step of faith, like um, as a choice, an action to get free from fear. Like we think we're free, and then something will come up and show you, oh, you're not, I'm not free at all. Like, oh, geez, this is hard. It takes a choice and ask for God's grace to come and set you free from it. And it's something like signing up, you know, making that first call to the dentist. Um, I've got to, yeah, I need to make an appointment so that I can be in a lot of pain and suffering for a while, <laughs> so I can get delivered from this thing that I know it's not going to come out good, uh, come out easily. But I, I got to do it. I got to get free from this. So, um, yeah, I just want to, I'm going to take, just offer that, like, to pray. And if anybody wants to join me to pray for people, but if there's that, this is a big step. We got to get free. It's the deliverance right now. We're all at play about our nation and, and the whole world is in this turmoil. And you know what God needs? He, he wants to revive us and he, he needs obedience. 
We think, how can I do this, more of this, more of that? And, and what, what he wants to say to you is, I need you to follow my spirit. Do what I'm asking you to do. Do your part, which is follow my spirit. Find out that thing, that place to stand. And you'll, you'll, bring, you'll help bring revival. You'll be a part of instrument to bring revival. You'll be an instrument to bring, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, freedom, wholeness, health, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah? Kingdom. <laughs> like, yes. That right to pursue. So if you want prayer today, you want to just commit that to the Lord. I think this is a very pertinent message, though, don't you? Like, isn't this where we are? And right now, it's just important that we be fearless, that we, we shed that off, keep our love on, but not be afraid, not live in fear. Like show, and I, I don't know what it'll cost us. It could cost us a lot, but I can't stand being a coward. I can't stand living. I'd rather die than live as a coward. I'd rather... I'd rather pay a price than to live no feeling I'm, I'm hiding, I'm hiding out, I'm threshing wheat in the wine press, and the wine press isn't a place to thresh wheat. I, I want to be free to do the right things at the right place at the right time. So anyways, come up if you feel led. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask for... Um, this liberty and freedom and grace to come on us. We want to be as bold about our faith outside. We want to have the confidence to know you and to know what to do outside, beyond these walls. Let this not be the wine press that we're hiding in. It's a great place to make wine, but, but we, need to be, we need to be in the right place, doing the right things, with the right motives, knowing that you are with us because, after all, you call us valiant, you call us mighty warriors, and you say to us, go in, the, in, the, in, your, own, in your might. Like, wow, I didn't even know I had that in me. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, even today, I ask you to call people things that you, you, how you see them. Call us how you see them. Call us names that you see and not the names that we would, that we see ourselves as. And just grace us, Lord Jesus, with, with anointing, with favor to be your people, men and women, valiant warriors to see our neighbors, our families, our nation be delivered from the tyrants, from the tyranny. And I ask in Jesus' name.